Hello, everyone, and welcome back to PFR Weekly and our current limited series, MCU in Review. I'm Devin, and I'm here with Teddy, and today we are talking about Thor, the 2011 third entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and the one that introduced us to the God of Thunder, played by the one and only Chris Hemsworth. Teddy, are you excited to talk about Thor? More excited than Iron Man 2? Where are you on the uh, the hype train for this movie? I would say pretty low, honestly. Um <laughs> Iron Man 2, as we talked about, at least had fun moments. I feel like Thor, there aren't really any moments where I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I don't regret watching this. Whereas, I feel like most of it, I'm just like, all right, is it over yet? (laughs) (laughs) You know, which is sad. But, yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely happy to get it over with, I guess you could say. Yes, and I, I think as we saw with Iron Man 2 last week, we have plenty to say about the bad MCU installments, and Thor, even by being bad, is fun to talk about. Um, but for anyone who hasn't seen it, I repeat once again, as I do every episode, why are you here? I'm kidding. We love anyone who's listening. But again, if you haven't seen it, especially if you haven't seen Thor, like, dude, go watch it. But just in case, the basic storyline of Thor is that the one and only Thor, as I said, played by Chris Hemsworth, is just the headstrong, cocky, god of thunder, prince of Asgard, the realm off in space that is basically populated by gods, and his father Odin, played by Anthony Hopkins, which is a crazy casting choice we'll come back to at some point. Um, Odin is getting ready to step down, is going to make Thor king, but Thor gets a little hot-headed and goes to try and start a war, even though his half-brother Loki, played by Tom Hiddleston, is not totally in on it, but has, (laughs) but has other feelings. And the resulting aftermath of Thor trying to start a war is that Odin casts him out and sends him to Earth, where he meets Jane Foster, played by Natalie Portman, Eric Selvig, played by Stellan Skarsgård, and Darcy, played by Kat Dennings. And while he's there, he struggles to find himself and get his hammer, Mjolnir back, which Odin has also banished to Earth. And along the way, tussles with S.H.I.E.L.D., Loki gets a hot head and tries to take over Asgard, and hijinks ensue. And that's Thor, which is kind of wild to think about it having been the third, because again, we are ignoring the Incredible Hulk, the third entry in the MCU. Um, and to think that Thor has been around since 2011. So that's the basic plot of Thor, and we kind of already gave our general reactions, but is there anything else you would like to add, Teddy, before we get to our categories? Any broad thoughts on the uh, broad-chested God of Thunder and his story? (laughs) I will say one of my favorite parts of the movie was when he did have his shirt off. We will get to that later. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'll save my thoughts for, uh, you know, the PFR edits and such. Wonderful. Yeah. I think that it's, uh, you know, the only thing I would add is that there are a lot of really fascinating choices that go into Thor (laughs) and into making Thor. And there are breadcrumbs here that lead to some of my later favorite parts of the MCU. Um, and so it's always interesting to revisit, how the Thor journey started because this Thor is so different than Thor Ragnarok. Um, Spoiler alert, arguably my favorite movie in the MCU, which we will spend a lot of time talking about. (laughs) Um, But we are not there yet. We are here with Thor. And so without any further ado, here we go. All right, here we are with our gems, which I think will simultaneously be a little bit of a subdued category and yet will bring out some really special energy from us. And I'm going to step up first and give my first gem because I feel like we got to get it right out of the way is that Chris Hemsworth being cast as Thor and the energy that Hemsworth brings is one of the beacons out of this movie, I think, because We've talked already about how the casting in the MCU is almost always perfect. And I think that the Hemsworth decision is brilliant because he was an unknown. 
nobody really knew what was going on. I remember there was a time when Tom Cruise was being considered for Thor, oh, which may have just been more of a Hollywood bullshit story that came out. Mm -hmm. But imagining Tom Cruise as Thor is just like, whew, what a hot that fucking would, mess. That would not have been good at all. That oh, would God, have just no. been a total no. <laughs> Hard pass. <laughs> Um, but he really, I think it helps that we don't really have a lot of history with him. And so he just kind of immediately becomes Thor. And I think for me, what is so important about this character is that he has to have some swagger, especially at the beginning when he is so obviously like, oh yeah, I'm a badass. I'm the prince. Just kneel bitches. That's the energy that he sends out. He likes having fun. <laughs> him with his warriors three and lady sif and they're doing they're all like have i ever led you wrong who's taking you on these adventures he just he has that crazy energy um mm -hmm. and the issues that i think come up in his performance as i watch it more and more i think really has less to do with him and more to do with some really hamstrung writing and directing which we'll get to but you can see already in this first performance that balance that comes from Hemsworth's really incredible comedic timing and his ability to sell the really emotionally intense scenes. And like, I think with the, one of the moments that makes me laugh the hardest every time is when he's in the hospital after he's been hit and then he's trying to fight his way out and he's yelling about how you'll never, you'll never defeat the mighty Thor. And then he gets stabbed with the sedative. <laughs> The way that Hemsworth just sells the like face against the glass as he goes down, it's this, it's this really nice bit of physical comedy and delivery. And he just seems to be in on the joke about how ridiculous Thor is as a character. Mm -hmm. And not in a way, it's funny, I to get in my film nerd corner for a second. Uh, one of my favorite early Hollywood actors, a guy named Vincent Price, who was in a lot of horror movies. And he was in ridiculous movies. There's one called The Tingler that was about like a creature that came out of your spine at the right of the moment of death if you were scared to death. But like it's this little rubber thing. You could see the string as they're dragging it along. But like Vincent Price never phoned it in. He was always 100% committed to the role, no, no matter how ridiculous the movie was. And I think Chris Hemsworth brings a lot of that energy here. Like he's in a cape. He's got a giant fucking hammer. <laughs> And while that works more emotionally in later Marvel movies, it doesn't really work here, but he does it all. And I think that's incredible. Um, and on the same note of casting choices, and also Thor's double rival, however you want to think about it, his foil is Loki and Tom Hiddleston, who I know is your first gem. I love Tom Hiddleston as Loki. Rewatching this movie, I just remember how young Tom Hiddleston looks in this movie and how I don't know, like he's still what, like 30 years old in it and yet he looks mm -hmm. 12 and then somehow over the next, you know, 10 years he turns into this, you know, more of a grown man looking person and it's just so funny that whole transition. It's almost as if it goes along with Loki's transition into who he becomes you know later on in the mcu totally and i wonder if that was like actually a choice or if that was just you know tom hiddleston <laughs> like just lucky i guess you could say so i think so tom hiddleston i feel like he is born to play the kind of you know mysterious but sarcastic but also like got a golden heart but you don't really see much of it other than little you know, bits and pieces here and there. Um, and I think his casting was just so perfect. And I, the way that he is able to portray, you know, Loki, who is such a misunderstood character, um, is just so brilliant. And I just, I love him so much. And I think he's part of the reason that Loki is one of my overall, like, favorite characters in the MCU. Um, and while I love Chris Hemsworth, Loki has, Loki and, you know, Tom Hiddleston just have this nuance about them that Chris Hemsworth and Thor just don't. <laughs> um, and also, 
the way that Tom Hiddleston's able to be, you know, this very serious, very like, um, we'll just say very serious, um, and kind of dark person, and then still deliver his like funny one lines, one liners, and um, you know, make you laugh at the same time, and also the way he's able to play off of Chris Hemsworth's kind of ridiculousness is also just so good. Um, and I think the two of them together are just beautiful and wonderful and just so fun and they just get better as time goes on. But so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. On the, on the point of them together, it's crazy to me to think about how, you know, we talked last time on Iron Man 2 about how these early movies introduce through lines that remain incredibly important through the MCU. And sometimes the early ones don't do a great job of introducing them. But I think that one of the things that Thor does incredibly well is establish the tense but loving relationship between Thor and Loki and how Loki's struggle to define his own identity alongside Thor trying to define his own identity and how you know, Odin really wins the award for worst fucking father in the MCU by setting both of his sons up for conflict and failure because of his inability to talk about important things. Um, we'll come back to that. But, but also how he pits them against each other. Yeah. Like, oh, are you going to be king? Or are you going to be king? Like, how about you guys, you know, compete with each other forever and have this terrible relationship? That then turns good because not because of you. Thank you so much, Odin. <laughs> Perfectly put. Um, <laughs> and I feel like for me, the scene that emphasizes, and really in a lot of ways for me, I think one of the most important scenes in this movie is when Thor has been captured by S.H.I.E.L.D. and Loki comes down to see him after Loki's made his power grab and Odin's in the Odin sleep. And Loki lies to Thor and says that Odin's dead, that he died because of Thor's actions. And it's just a really convincing moment of emotion where Thor is heartbroken to think that his actions had caused this. Loki is so angry at Odin and so angry at being in the shadow that Thor casts that he's happy to manipulate him. And both of the actors are firing on all cylinders and they have this incredible chemistry where I've, from the immediate moment, even though they look nothing alike, and obviously that's part of the half brother thing and how they're opposites, but like they have this brother energy to them that they sell so well. And they're both such vital characters. And I guess before I move on to my gem, I want to clear out and give you a moment to get on your soapbox because I want to know Teddy to any listener who's thinking well Loki's just a villain what would you say to those listeners because I know you have thoughts and I would like some of those thoughts to be shared with the world I would say that you are wrong just wrong 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 and that Loki is so complicated and he is just so misunderstood and kind of like you said he is so royally fucked over by odin and he is you know basically the definition of daddy issues um and that's not his fault um and i think it's hard to get i can see how in this movie particularly he comes off as a villain then later down the road um which we'll talk about more in dark world um he really you know, his good side shows through. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you can see that, you know, he has this, like, constant battle in his head of, like, whether to, you know, give into his mischief kind of, you know, devious ways or to be, you know, the good guy that he is. And it's just such a constant battle. And no, he's not a villain because a lot of the time his intentions are purely good. Um, but they don't always work out the way that they should. <laughs> so, yeah, no, he is not a villain. And if you think that, I will fight you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you heard it here, folks. If you are on team Loki is a villain, then get in Teddy's mentions and we can stage a uh, cage match to the death. Um, 
I think it would help ratings. I think people would be into it. Somebody served themselves up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So sticking with this theme of kind of introductions, um, which again is kind of a constant part of these early MCU films because so much about them is establishing a world, building it out, doing introductions. Um, And part of my thing, which is to say that I think the first half an hour of this movie works a lot better than anything else in the movie. And a lot of that is because I think that the design, and this is my second gem to clarify, (laughs) the design of Asgard and the way that that realm is approached is really wonderful. I think it hits this great, stride between being just austere and giant and also being a little unreal but not feeling so remarkably lifted from I don't know overt imagination that once we're back on earth also that it feels overly removed um I think that the way that director Kenneth Branagh and the cinematographer choose to shoot Asgard is a whole different story. But I think that the design of just kind of these giant gold columns and these just curves and the architecture and how it brings to life a lot of the best comic runs for Thor. Um, I mean, the, the kind of benchmark for a lot of that is Jason Aaron's work on Thor, God of Thunder, if anyone's looking to get into Thor comics. Um, but his work and illustrations and that whole world really helped to establish Thor in this long history of comics. They're like, Asgard is this elegant, godly place. And it needs to look like that because if it looks really kitschy and bad, then you're like, "Eh, are these people really gods? Or are they just kind of playing dress up? Um, Yes, there's some of the dress up like we talked about, but that's why you hire Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston and Anthony fucking Hopkins (laughs) to... um, Play, now two-time Oscar winner Anthony Hopkins uh, to play Odin, which I guess like this is a side gem, but I feel like I've let us into this that I'm just going to do the Anthony Hopkins tangent now, which is like, I can't believe that Dr. Hannibal Lecter decided that playing Odin in the MCU was the career move he wanted to make, even though like he literally is asleep for half of this movie, um, which is just the definition of bringing in a paycheck. Anthony Hopkins gave some incredible interviews about doing this, and one of them that has been, I first heard about this quote listening to Binge Mode, great podcast, if anyone out there is looking for more Marvel content. And I read the interview later, but at one point, Anthony Hopkins, when asked about playing Odin, said, well, you know, I just let the armor do the acting. And honestly, I think that that is, in a nutshell, just what Asgard does for this movie. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. like a lot of, there is no subtlety in Thor. Mm-hmm. There is no relaxed approach to storytelling. It's just like, <laughs> boom, gods. And... Just like Anthony Hopkins, this movie lets the Asgard armor, the Asgard plot armor, as it were, do a lot of the acting for it. And so luckily, the production design team over at Marvel who did this really did a good job of bringing it to life and making it convincing, at least for me. I know that some people have issues with the Asgard design, but rewatching it, I just once again thought that it was some really wonderful work and in kind of this current heyday of fantasy live-action storytelling, I think it it holds its own against some of the other really incredible pieces of work. It's not the best, but it's in the echelon that's not just like a sci-fi original channel (laughs) tower (laughs) over somewhere. So it works. And now that I've been talking about Anthony Hopkins and Odin, I'm just going to embrace the pontification that is the essence of who he is and I go back-to-back gems before I cede the floor to Teddy to do the same. Because one of the things that I love about Thor and is more of a step back and is less about Thor, but I grew up a mythology geek. Obviously, a lot of that was coming of age with Percy Jackson and loving Mm -hmm. Greek mythology. But I also read a book that I loved. It was the first book I ever read twice, like chapter book. It was called Sea of Trolls by Nancy Farmer. 
and it was this novel that used North, Norse mythology as a backdrop for kind of a coming-of-age fantasy novel. And I loved Norse mythology as this kind of rougher, just gruffer, <laughs> not quite... There's this, I don't even want to say elegance to Greek mythology, but it is this, we think about Zeus and it's gotten the Disney treatment and it just kind of mm-hmm. has this existence where Greek mythology has, has had its edges smoothed a little bit for popular consumption. But there's something about Norse mythology that I don't think, even when it gets translated into pop culture, it retains some of that darkness to it mm-hmm. that is easier to tap into and so especially in the first half an hour of this movie when we're spending time on Jotunheim and we're spending time on Asgard just this realm of gods and monsters and the way that it's incorporated is bonkers good to me as a concept again the execution of it is not always the way I would want it to be but I love how those stakes become so much larger because, right, if we're thinking about superheroes and the MCU, about, if we're thinking about superheroes and the MCU as this sort of modern day mythology and the way that we think about the overlapping comic arcs and you have to know this and you got to know this person and how do they connect here and all of that, it is kind of the same way that people talked about mythology for so long. And here it's the perfect crossover for me of how actual world mythology feeds into our kind of new realm mythology and how using characters like Thor and Odin and Loki give you a lot of ways to immediately have some understanding of who these people are because we understand their mythological archetypes Mm -hmm. and continue making the comparisons I think here for its failings, I think Thor does a much better job of incorporating mythology than the DC movies do with Wonder Woman and trying to incorporate the Greek mythology where it's just like, it just doesn't work. Um, um, even though I guess there's an interesting comparison between Thor and Wonder Woman as two movies that's initial half an hour works a lot better than a lot of the <laughs> stuff that comes after, but that's a whole different <laughs> podcast. Um, so as you can probably tell, my favorite parts of Thor don't happen on Earth because I think that the Earth parts are rough, but the Earth parts still have their redeeming qualities. And I know that your final two gems in a lot of ways work with that. So I'm going to stop mm-hmm. talking now because I've been talking a lot. And as much as we know, <laughs> the world loves the sound of my voice. <clears throat> I'll stop now. So Teddy, it's yours. I'm going to go into the Odin sleep and shut up. <laughs> Great. Um, I guess just to add on to your kind of Norse Norse mythology little gem, um, I think one thing that I noticed, so I was a big Game of Thrones person um, until they completely ruined it in the last season. Um, I don't want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> but I remember watching Thor for the first time, and as soon as I saw the Frost Giants, I was like, hold up they are just white walkers like what is going on they look exactly the same who came first like all of that jazz so thor and game of thrones both came out in 2011 but the thing is is that i haven't watched the first season of game of thrones in a while but i believe that you don't really see much of the white walkers and if you do it's very brief at the end of the first season um so you could really kind of think that they may or may not have copied um Thor when it came to the look of the White Walkers um but then it turns out that the um inspiration for the White Walkers actually did come from Norse mythology so that makes it seem a little less you know copycatish I guess you could say um in that they're both coming from the same place. And so it's not their fault that they're literally exactly the same. Um, So yeah, that was something that I found very interesting. Anyways, so enough about that little uh, tangent about White Walkers and Frost Giants. Um, Devin kind of already 
you know, touched on this subject when he talked about Anthony Hopkins. Um, but I just wanted to talk about the greater kind of supporting cast um, of Thor because the talent is just insane. And I feel like it's very similar to Iron Man 2 in that without this amazing supporting cast, Thor would definitely not have gone anywhere. <laughs> um, just because, as Devin will get into later, um, the writing and the direction is just not not it. <laughs> um, but I guess I particularly wanted to give a shout out to Kat Dennings, who I absolutely adore. Um, and I will talk a little bit more about Darcy as a character in a bit, but also talk as about Natalie Portman. <laughs> um, but also talk about Natalie Portman, who is just one of my all-time favorite actresses. Like, she is just so amazing. Um, and I just love her so much. Um, unfortunately, she does not have the best character to play in the Thor, just overall Thor movies. Um, but we can, we'll talk more about that later. Um, also have to talk about Aegis Elba. One more honorable mention, because I love Lady Sif so much, is Jamie Alexander. Because Lady Sif is just this beacon of light who shines through in both Thor and then the second Thor, um, Dark World. And so, obviously, I have to mention her, because um, she is wonderful. And I will say, she and Chris Hemsworth have such better chemistry than I think Natalie Portman and Chris Hemsworth do. But we will so talk more about that. Much <laughs> so more much better. chemistry. But we will talk more about that in the PFR edits. So, as I promised, I would get back to Kat Dennings um, as Darcy. Because Darcy is, again, another beacon of light in this kind of just... Ugh, I don't even know what to say. Like... I feel like she's the perfect character who just says it like it is and is kind of the one who like points out how ridiculous everything is. Um, like she has one line, I know that, you know, we're not getting to quotes yet, but I still will quote her because this just completely encapsulates who she is as a character and just kind of her role in the movie. But basically her saying, Not dying for six college credits! I feel like that just shows that she's the one who's gonna sit there and be like what the hell is going on and she's the one who always kind of calls out Jane's kind of ridiculous obsession with Thor and just she's just the only one where I look at it and I'm like she's the sane one which is funny because she's kind of crazy herself but in a way that's more like an actual human is <laughs> um, and so Darcy is just she's wonderful gets she gets her own gem because she's just wonderful and then the rest of the cast obviously deserves a shout out because they just carry this whole movie for sure and it would be nothing without them yeah i have to i have to throw in one extra supporting cast shout out for stellan skarsgård as dr eric selvig mm -hmm. which like for 75 percent of the movie because he's given terrible material, just seems like he's doing a second performance of his character from Goodwill Hunting as the kind of slightly aloof doctor. But for me, that one of my favorite sequences in the movie is when he breaks Thor out of the shield center by pretending he's a different doctor, and then they get absolutely <laughs> hammered. And just the 15 yes. seconds when they chug the Boilermakers and Stellan Skarsgård sells the moment where he's like, oh, we're doing this. I don't know if I can do this. God, I have to commit to this. <laughs> it's it's great. And also, mm -hmm. you know, Stellan Skarsgård and Chris Hemsworth have better chemistry than Natalie Portman and Chris Hemsworth. So They do. That that one look they exchange where they're like, oh, okay. Like, we're, we're drinking. Um, it's just so good. Yeah, he, he deserves a mention. And I apologize for not, you know, giving him a shout out. Okay, it lets, just so many. it lets me lean into my Skarsgård love, which is never a bad thing. <laughs> that is really where our love for this movie ends. And so with, uh, with no more attempting to be nice, we move into the hallowed halls 
of the PFR at it. Whew. There's a lot here. There is quite a lot here to talk about. I feel like because we just ended the last category talking about chemistry, <laughs> we should probably just get that one over with, which is that the Natalie Portman, Chris Hemsworth chemistry doesn't quite get to the level of Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman and the Star Wars prequels. <laughs> but like the fact that there is no chemistry between them makes me seriously worry about what's going on on sets for early movies that Natalie Portman has to deal with blockbuster stuff, which I don't think is her fault, because as you said, she's an incredible actress. But apparently chemistry in romantic situations is maybe not the perfect moment in her wheelhouse. I don't know. What's your theory? Why do you think there's zero chemistry here? I honestly blame Jane as a character that I just... That's who I blame because I don't think Natalie Portman has any issues when it comes to chemistry with other actors. I do not blame Natalie at all. And I don't blame Chris either. I think it's just a way I think it's just the way that the characters are written and they only have so much that they can work with, especially Natalie Portman. She can only work with so much as ugh, Jane. It's just not given any justice in these movies um which is sad because she I think I've never read the comics but I assume that she's a pretty cool kind of badass super intelligent you know just as Marvel does with the other you know amazing female characters just completely just does not do anything for them um so yeah I just blame I blame the writing and that's it really it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it there's definitely i think something to that and it brings us to this kind of broader issue i have with the movie which is the tonal approach to it and which really comes down to for me the fact that i think hiring kenneth branagh to direct a thor movie is like the directorial choice you would make as a joke at first and then when nobody speaks up in the meeting you get stuck with it is really how it feels to me because like you get it like the big as guardian god stuff you think yeah our modern day olivier who's obsessed with adapting shakespeare and telling these grand stories right leah he makes sense in one way but the self-seriousness with which this man <laughs> approaches Thor a movie about a blonde guy waving a hammer and shooting <laughs> lightning is just suffocating it really is and it's the it to me it becomes so much more apparent because of the structure where we cut back and forth between Asgard and Earth in the second and third acts Whereas, like, again, in that first act, you're just kind of in Asgard, and you're like, yeah, okay, so it's kind of like dress-up Shakespeare a little bit. You got the fighting brothers, you got mm -hmm. the king, you got the vibes. But then the second you get out of Asgard, and then you have this, it's like they're aiming for some of the screwball energy down on Earth, but because mm -hmm. everything is so overly serious. Mm-hmm. And it's not me saying that Marvel movies can't be serious. I think there are some incredible entries in that, but... I don't think Thor movies can quite have that same energy because there's an inherent ridiculousness. And Brana is a talented director and is a talented actor, but he can't make something that isn't like, I am trying to take this to the Globe Theater and I will present it to you. And it sucks the life out of the movie, which is probably a big part of what Portman's struggling with and just also what the movie struggles with and like an offshoot of that because if i'm just ragging on brana i'm going to get it all out of my system at once is that <laughs> kenneth brana for some reason in this movie throws in a canted angle every three fucking shots <laughs> and for people who don't know what a canted angle is it's when it's like you take the camera and then you just kind of tweak it to a side so everything's a little off kilter and 
it's a time-honored tradition to kind of send an idea of like, oh, things are unstable, right? It's, it's something that you see a lot of incredible directors do over the years. But when you do it every four fucking shots for no <laughs> apparent reason, it's just like, did you forget to stabilize the camera? And then we're like, no, fuck it, we'll fix it in post. But then you can't fix it in post because it looks so stupid. Like, I don't know what to tell you, Kenneth, but like you had tens of millions of dollars to make this movie and you chose canted angles. And I don't know what to tell you, except that you're not Spike Lee. So, like, just fuck off with the candid angles and try and make an actually interesting movie instead and not just be a dumbass with something that should be fun. So, Kenny, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I love your other work, but this is this is just tough all around. Um, yeah, and I feel like that seriousness doesn't get solved until Thor Ragnarok. And I feel like if that kind of self-seriousness and just overall trying to make it into something it's not hadn't happened in the beginning two movies, I honestly think that Thor would have been the best trilogy. But it's not because they don't – it's not to Ragnarok that Chris Hemsworth is fully able to just embody Thor's ridiculousness and just the kind of physical comedy of it all. Um so, yes, everything you've said, I 100% agree with. And I cannot wait to get to Thor Ragnarok, where we can actually speak positively about this, like, these movies and these characters. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun with Ragnarok. And it's just, I don't know, it is, I think, exactly as you're saying it, whereas for its flaws, Iron Man 2, continuing from Iron Man, at least seemed to fundamentally understand who Tony Stark was. Mm -hmm. And even when it didn't work, it was like, okay, this is the vibe. It's the, we're going to get some of the intensity of him struggling with this stuff, but it's about first and foremost, this idea of a quippy genius who's mm -hmm. having fun with being a hero and trying to become a better person. Mm -hmm. And so the tone gets that and the approach, the filmmaking gets that, right? It's not like, in either movie, John Favreau is doing just like Oscar worthy, incredible artistic <laughs> directing, but he gets the camera moving. He does some interesting stuff that gives you energy. Whereas here, it's just, I think, the perfect storm of awfulness that gives us a stilted script that cuts the knees out from underneath a group of really talented performers. Mm -hmm a director who seems committed to making the most boring version of this story he can possibly make. And again, it is a man with a hammer shooting lightning. It should be fucking incredible. And they yeah. can't do it because he's trying to make King Lear. And mm -hmm. of all the things that Thor is, it will never be King Lear. No. And the sooner you accept that, the better. And then you take into account the, the canted angles. And also the cinematographer, whose name I don't have in front of me, and is probably for the best, um, uh, uh, making another Game of Thrones connection. It seems like in creating the battle sequences for season eight, they watched the Jotunheim mm -hmm. battles where it was like, it's so dark, you can hardly see anything. <laughs> yeah. Really? And it, it's just like breaking ice and shadows and... Mm -hmm. It looks a lot like what they did in the Battle of Winterfell. And you just wonder, this is after Lord of the Rings. Like, why haven't yeah. Hollywood composers understood that, like, you make action legible so you can see it and you can follow it and therefore understand the intensity of it. And thank God the final battle between Thor and the Destroyer in this movie is, like, actually in daylight so we <laughs> see stuff. But then it's just, like, <laughs> Thor trying to punch a giant robot and mind-numbing in its own way so <laughs> unfortunately this movie for all of this as i'm just obfuscating about and going on about is that it it seems to fundamentally misunderstand the joy of thor mm -hmm. and that's a shame but because of that there's a lack of chemistry there's a lack of humor apart from Darcy and the occasional one-liners and quips that we'll get to in quotable lines because somehow there are still a handful of really fun lines from this movie. <laughs> yep. um, 
But it is, it is, I think, the perfect encapsulation of what we hate about origin story movies, where it just seems like they're hitting beats in heavy-handed ways to get points across. And I'm glad that we got Thor early so that we had more time throughout the Avengers movies, especially to get a more interesting Thor. Mm -hmm. Um, And that we'll be getting Thor Love and Thunder, which will be bringing Natalie Portman back in a storyline from the comics that I won't spoil for you, Teddy, because you don't know it and therefore you can experience it fresh, (laughs) but that promises to hopefully under Taika Waititi's joyous stewardship, redeem Jane Foster and continue to make Thor one of the most exciting entries in mm-hmm. Marvel. I really hope that you are right because I would love to see a great Jane Foster comeback. I would love to see that. I would love to, you know, watch that and at the end be like, oh yeah, okay, I like Jane now. Um, and it's also, I didn't know anything about Brana before, you know, this movie and us talking about him and the fact that he is a Shakespearean person just makes so much sense now like yes as you said he's trying to do king lear but thor is not king lear um so yeah i i didn't know that and it makes so much sense now so thank you for bringing that to my attention you're welcome (laughs) every now and then my overly encyclopedic cinephilic knowledge about directors movies and knowing too much about their particular idiosyncrasies comes in handy and today (laughs) ladies and gentlemen it came in handy. <laughs> <laughs> but Thor, just not quite a steaming pile of garbage, but maybe a slowly deteriorating pile of recyclables. Maybe mm. that's more the vibe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. and definitely hashtag justice for Jane. Oh, like, yes. yes. Give us a movie where Jane Foster gets to be a real human being. Yes. Please and thank and you. Not- just a lovesick puppy who's just no oh man actually i just want to quickly while we're on the subject yes i just want to talk about that final kind of scene between with thor and jane when he's like knocked out you know right after the robots knocks him out and jane is just like oh no like oh no and it's like you have known him for 24 fucking hours. Like, how? How? No. Just no. You do not love him that much. You don't even know him. Like, okay, maybe it's not 24 hours, but it's, you know, like three days. It, it tops. And it's just another one of those instances where the only reason she is there is to be the cute love interest to show the like the main superheroes like soft side you know Mm -hmm. and just no it's on the same it's on it's on the same level as the pepper scene in uh, iron man where she's like but you you said not to that we talked about yes um so yes that's just something just (sighs) yes no love doesn't work that way Unfortunately, if it does. Why haven't I found it yet? Like, <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> yes, unfortunately, another lesson that Kenneth Branagh seemed to try and take from Shakespeare, in that uh, because even the Bard is not perfect, any Romeo and Juliet energy of a uh, star-crossed coming together and falling in love quickly—it's mm-hmm. preposterous. It never works. <laughs> it's just bad. Yes, I hate mm-hmm. Romeo and Juliet. I am an English major who hates Romeo and Juliet. So anyone who wants to come at me for that. You're wrong. Hey, and, uh, I'm with you. Romeo and Juliet is terrible. It just... No. <laughs> Again, just no. <laughs> so a bonus take for you on this podcast, Romeo and Juliet, trash. <laughs> By some miracle, not unlike probably some large miracle that gave Odin his powers in the first place, we have a number of quotes that we like from this. And... For me, it's kind of two categories. There are the moments where the Shakespearean melodrama actually kind of works for me and the moments where it's just comedic. And I know that, Teddy, you have some on the comedic lens, so I'm going to get my uh, Shakespeare stuff out of my system up top. 
Um, namely, the first one of these is an exchange that happens between Thor and Heimdall when they are trying to sneak away. I have no plans to die today. None do. And it's just a nice bit of just like overly hero stuff mm -hmm. that you need sometimes, and I liked it. Um, <laughs> but the only other one that I really go for and that is just Anthony Hopkins dialing it up when Thor has come back. Well, actually, when Odin has dragged Thor back and he starts yelling at him. You are a vain, greedy, cruel boy. And you are an old man and a fool. Yes, I was a fool to think you were ready. Father. Hey! Oh, Odinson, you have betrayed the express command of your king. Through your arrogance and stupidity, you have opened these peaceful realms and innocent lives to the horror and desolation of war! You are unworthy of these realms, unworthy of your title! And it's A++ in my head. It's like, that's why you hire Anthony Hopkins, because even if he's letting the armor do the acting, he's bringing some heat. And, I will uh, say, though, that there are a few moments where I... Anthony Hopkins, again, he really does, is letting his you know armor speak, because there are some lines that he speaks where I'm just like, you're not even trying. Like, you're just saying the lines. Oh, yeah. And I can't think of them right now. But there were a couple of moments where I was like, I thought Anthony Hopkins was better than this. Like, what's going on? Um, but yeah, he does that whole scene um, when they come back from trying to, when they come back um, is just so good. It's really good. Yeah, the, uh, the stuff when he's, we first see him and he's in the full Odin regalia on the throne, mm -hmm. that's some pretty tough line reading. Yeah. That's like some, I just took an Ambien and we need to finish this scene before <laughs> I take my nap. Yes. Energy there. Uh -huh. um, which, ironically, is also what happens in the movie. So, you know, life imitating uh -huh. art, whatever. Um, but that's all for my Shakespeare style corner. Um, and there are some lovely bits of comedy. And I would like to open the floor to you to continue your Darcy love Um because there are some more great Darcy quips, and I have a couple to add, but mm -hmm. what, what are the ones that you would like to uh, spotlight for everyone? So I will just repeat again um, the one I said before, which was I am not dying for six college credits because that I just love that, and it speaks volumes. Um, and then the other one is when I think it's, I forget when exactly it happens, but basically it's one of the times that Thor is just knocked out on Earth. And Darcy, I think it's when they first see him, and Darcy's just like, oh, does he need CPR? Because I totally know CPR. And it's like, same. I, <laughs> I, yes, I too know CPR, and I would also do it. Um, so I think those are the two that really stood out for me. Yeah, I, I would only add to those um when they are all dealing with the fact that shield has taken their equipment and all darcy has to add is they even took my ipod love it incredibly 2011 but so good um for those of you who don't know what an ipod is why are you listening to this like go back to tiktok you don't belong here Oh, but honestly, the best Darcy line for me is when she's trying to say Mjolnir, um, <laughs> and she she just goes, What's and she sells it. It Kat Dennings she keeps does. such a straight face, and I don't know how, because I cry laugh every time. <laughs> yeah. Every she is time. a queen. She is a queen. Um, and, and in terms of other moments... I feel like the classic one is when Thor breaks the cap and goes. This drink, I like it. 
I know, it's great, right? Another! It's just, it's the most, most memed moment, I think, from the movie. Um, the random S.H.I.E.L.D. agent who's like, should we call this in as the Warriors 3 and Lady Sif are coming in and goes, we've got Xena, Jackie Chan, and Robin Hood. <laughs> it just, it's kind of a line that does not fit in the movie and has no energy mm -hmm. along with it, but was definitely a writer was like, no, 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 I got one. <laughs> and honestly, I'm glad it's there. Oh, um, yeah. And then because we didn't shout him out, in supporting cast, which is an oversight on both of our parts. Um, mm -hmm. Clark Gregg as Phil Coulson, just a steady guiding force in so many Marvel projects. When the Destroyer comes down and one of the S.H.I.E.L.D. guys asks him, is that one of Stark's? And Coulson responds, I don't know. That guy never tells me anything. <laughs> the deadpan is incredible. Oh, he's so good at the deadpan. He's, he never breaks. And he never gets close to breaking. And I think that's why Coulson is just such a good character. And I also love when Thor calls him son of Cole. Because as if you've seen the, the you know, future movies, you will see that Thor has many other kind of moments of him taking things way too literally and also just not understanding kind of the earth ways and how the you know earth language works um and i that's just a it's just really it's just very thor to say that <laughs> and then going off of another thor quote um when he walks into the pet store and just yells i need a horse we don't have horses, just dogs, cats, birds. And give me one of those large enough to ride. And again, Thor just not getting it. And I wish, I really like if more moments in the movie had been in those two, like those same kind of, uh, I don't know what the right word is. Um, vibes. Vibes, yes. Um, then it would be so much better because again, it's just Thor being Thor and being ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like it gives us a glimpse of the movie that we might have had if someone mm -hmm. else was helming it. Um, <laughs> and it's a bummer. And uh, I, as a final note, I think we've exhausted our, our favorite quotes, but a little bit that we didn't know how to fit into either Gems or PFR edit because it's in a weird limbo, but because he happens to have one great quote in this movie. The very weird fact that Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye was so obviously just kind of like shoehorned into this movie to introduce him and was no mm -hmm. doubt a studio note um, because the moment when he's going up to the top and we don't see his face is very obviously a stand-in and then they probably just got the Jeremy Renner stuff on a different day, but Nonetheless, in the 30 seconds of on-screen time we get from Jeremy Renner, when Thor is breaking into the shield spot to try and get Mjolnir, and Thor is just, and Thor is just tearing through people, I can't talk, um, Clint Barton says, you want me to slow him down, sir, or are you sending in more guys for him to beat up? Which on the face value is not a banger of a line, but Jeremy Renner is a man of great talent when it comes to delivering dialogue and it's just the first snippet of what is a wonderful through line of Jeremy Renner stealing moments by just delivering the shit out of lines. And now, dear listeners, it is with great joy that we bring ourselves to the horny corner. The first time in the many iterations well, all two iterations of this category we've done so far, where we have actual full hot-blooded feelings to share. And so with that in mind, I'm just going to step out of the way before Teddy pushes me out of the way so that she can share <laughs> with you her many thoughts on the cast of this movie. Yes. Well, hey, this is the first time I am genuinely excited by a cast, so thank you very much. But I will just say it, Loki... Loki and just Tom Hiddleston, both of them, either one, I don't care, Tom Hiddleston playing Loki, like, I just, yes, 
I could honestly listen to Tom Hiddleston speak about nothing for hours on end. His voice is so sexy and just so, mm, so good. And then obviously I have to talk about Chris Hemsworth because it's Chris Hemsworth. Although I will say the long hair, not my favorite on Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> Whereas Loki, yeah, I'm here for it. Not usually a long hair guy, but Loki, exception. Um, so yeah, I would say, well then on the other end, uh, Lady Sif, she is perfect. Just absolutely perfect. Um, and I'm very bad that her and Thor do not get together in this movie because it would have been so beautiful and their children would have been so perfect. So perfect. But that's besides the point. So I would say those are my, uh, uh-huh. my three and like honorable mention darcy but you know yes i feel like that's uh more your thing than mine yes before going (laughs) on to that now that i'm just curious if you had tom hiddleston sitting in front Mm -hmm. of you and he was ready to read you anything in his wonderful (laughs) loki delivery what's at the top of the list for like you would like this to be read to you by the one and only hiddleston that's no pressure quite a question no pressure. Jesus. Um, damn. Ooh, ooh, ooh. This is a little bit much, but maybe the Fifty Shades of Grey book. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing that comes to mind because that's just who I am. And yeah, uh, I think that would be it. And I can't think of anything else, so I'm sticking with it. And I am not ashamed. I'm into it. I would listen to a Tom Hiddleston reading of Fifty Shades. Ooh, I can just hear it now, and I'm getting <laughs> goosebumps. I just oh, I love him so if, much. If we need to go off air, I can give you some space. <laughs> <I'm>, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can control myself a little bit. Just a little bit. Well, then, I won't linger, but I would like to say that I would echo the, the love for Lady Sif because, my God... Jamie Alexander in the armor, mm-hmm. just a young boy who read a lot of fantasy. That's a dream right there. <laughs> but but the, the real winner of the horny corner for me today is Kat Dennings as Darcy, because mm-hmm. let me tell you, Darcy, Darcy has all the energy that college Devin was absolutely <laughs> excited about, which is that she is hilarious. And for anyone who knows me, humor and charm comes at a premium when it is uh, relating to people I'm attracted to. And also, just Kat Dennings is so hot. Mm-hmm. She's just beautiful. And she she's obviously, if we're talking about Darcy especially, she's real smart. Mm-hmm. She's real accomplished. She's hilarious. And uh, that is just wife-me-up material right there. <laughs> and... The fact that we don't get more Darcy is forever a failing. Um, mm-hmm. But honest, honestly, I want the uh, Darcy narrates the MCU podcast. I want them to go back and like you know <laughs> give me a Darcy's thoughts on everything that was happening, and I'll listen. Uh-huh. Like okay, yeah. So Kat Dennings, if you want to get on board, like we'll produce it. <laughs> We're game. I have a I have a question. Yes. If you had to choose between Darcy slash Kat Dennings versus Gwyneth Paltrow pre-goop, which would you choose? Oh, it's Gwyneth Paltrow, no question. Okay. You see, not, and I'm saying this not because of my current feelings, but just that the real estate that Gwyneth Paltrow took up in adolescent <laughs> Devin's mind, it would be a lie to say that my instincts could choose anyone but pre-goop mm-hmm. Gwyneth Paltrow. And she, she's the one. She's the true, the OG. She is the chosen one. And uh, <laughs> what can I say? There would be no conscious uncoupling for me and uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Well, listeners, Thank you for accompanying us through this journey. Uh, If you're still listening, congratulations, you are worthy. And if you can go find Mjolnir, uh, we will support you in your bid to take over Asgard. 
because let me tell you, it could be improved based on everything we've seen in this movie. <laughs> yup. Get Odin out. <laughs> but yeah, that's Thor. And I think I speak for both of us in saying that with a couple of exceptions that we will reach to <clears throat> Thor the Dark World, especially, we've now reached the point where there is a standard of quality in MCU movies going forward that like even when they're not spectacular, they have at least, at the very least, a notch above the Iron Man 2 energy of like, this is a fun mess. Mm-hmm. And I'm ready for that. And I'm especially ready to talk about the first movie in my favorite MCU trilogy, the Captain America movies. Oh, yeah. I am so excited. <laughs> there is so much for all of the apathy we felt for Thor. There is just incredible joy in Captain America. And I won't belabor it. We're just going to get off the air now so we can start thinking about Captain America more. <laughs> because that's where we should be. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm into it. Teddy's into it. And good God. Everyone listening better be into it because next time on PFR Weekly MCU Interview, we are diving deep into Captain America. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you liked what you heard or are interested in what else we do at Portland Film Review, make sure to head over to social media. You can find us on Instagram at Portland underscore film underscore review, on Twitter at Portland underscore film, on Facebook at Portland Film Review, and of course at our website, portlandfilmreview.com If you really like this episode and want to make sure you don't miss any future PFR Weekly episodes or MCU and Review limited series shows, go follow us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you might listen. While you're there, give us a follow and maybe even a rating. We like to hear good things, but if you want to say something mean, at least make it creative. <laughs>